This is Season 6 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. There's safe blood and not safe blood. Why do they blow white smoke up the chimney, listen carefully, when a new pope <laughs> is elected? Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 21. This week, we have another special guest. Whippee! We're yeah. getting guests like crazy. We scoured the internet and other sources to gather totally useless information just for you. Plus, we will open up the mailbag. And from news from around the world, the headline, A Florida woman nearly died when she opened up her Amazon package. Totally useless information it's everything you never needed to know welcome once again to totally useless information with nick and roy hello roy what's happening in your world nothing it's like 400 degrees down here in florida <laughs> yeah welcome <laughs> some call it welcome to hell hey today we have another special guest we have one special guest after another, and because of his background, we not only not only did we clean up the studio, but we also shined our boots and yeah. shined all of our medals because we have checked some pots. Check the, the the tightness of the uh, the making of the bed. You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, quarters off of it. Yes, exactly. We cleaned up the mess. Mm -hmm. and the mess hall we are welcoming to totally use this information with nick and roy a colleague of mine i have to the full disclosure is a colleague of mine a news talk 1010 but he is a person who has served in the canadian army for 14 years welcome mark tui hey great to be here guys hey mark what's going on man so did we have to stand up and salute because you served in the canadian army well you should have or at least sat at attention which oh. is something that you can do you sort of uh, brace yourself with your feet flat in the ground and your elbows tucked into your sides and sit up straight, nice and uh, nice and proud instead of saluting because you don't salute when you're sitting down. You know, Mark, I, I, I tell you, uh, no offense, but um, I just found out from Nick that Canada had an army. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. The <laughs> whole Canadians, please don't write That's in. right. Yeah. So Roy's address in Florida is. <laughs> we fought. We all fought side by side, trust me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we tried to figure out, hey, what year was the War of 1812 in? Wait, don't tell me. Hang on. That's a trick question. <laughs> it is. You'll be surprised how many of our our uh, Christopher Columbus Guest? high school graduates. How many of our guests couldn't get that? No, no. How many of our, <laughs> of our fellow classmates in the class of 81 in Christopher Columbus high school didn't get that right? Hello, class of 81. So the reason why we have uh, Mark here is because we have a brand new topic, which we introduced a few weeks ago with Joe Vadi, the Australian comedian, is uh, customs and traditions, and the army is full of customs and traditions. So that's why we have Mark here today. And uh, Mark, I think you can uh, start. You talk about saluting. Start us off with the salute. Are there different ways for which you can salute? Well, there are, and it depends a lot on which uh, country you're serving in, uh, which uh, which element, whether you're army, navy, or air force. Saluting is by and large it's it's a mark of respect from a a junior serving soldier to a commissioned officer who is higher in rank than them and so uh in most armies the american army as an exception uh, you only salute when you have your hat on you see in movies a lot uh you know especially if they're american made you've got these uh, british soldiers uh, saluting hatless 
Uh, and that it doesn't happen in most armies, and it doesn't happen, I don't think, in the U.S. Navy or the Air Force, but the U.S. Army does it. Um, and that's because the, the, the action of saluting, putting your hand up to your forehead, was uh, believed to be originating two causes. One, it was lifting the visor on your helmet if you were a knight in, in shining armor so that your enemy could see your eyes and your face was unprotected and that was you know, extending a vulnerability of, out of respect. And uh, depending on how you salute, it was also to show that your right hand, your sword hand was empty. And so in the, uh, in the army, in Canada and the U.S. Army, the salute, basically the hand comes up by the most direct method. And it's, it's kind of uh, the palm is parallel to the ground, but the hand's at an angle. So the, the upper arm is, is parallel to the ground and then it curves in. In the uh, British Army, it's the palm outwards and it kind of comes up with the palm facing the Kind of like Benny Hill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the Royal Navy and the Canadian Navy, and I'm not sure about the American Navy, but when they salute, uh, their tradition is to cup the hands so you can't see the palm because their hands were always dirty. And that was offensive if you were saluting the Queen, for example. I know I know. in the Italian Army, the salute is to throw the gun on the floor when the enemy comes, <laughs> run the other way, and make some pasta. Are you kidding? Well, exactly. That's why the Italians lost the war. They told them, go out and get, go out and get 500 pounds of shells. They came back with macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> so they got a little mixed up over there. Well, that's okay. So so in the what you're saying is in the days of night... See what I did there? In the days of night, you had to lift up the visor in order for the king to see their eyes to make sure that they're not shifty or anything. Yeah, well, you fought with the visor down. So by lifting the visor up, that showed that you were uh, you weren't likely to attack them while the visor was up. I got a custom thing. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with the army. This is a good one though. Spitting on the bride. (laughs) (laughs) I know we're all laughing, but this is actually true. Not not spitting on her for showing up to the wedding, <laughs> but but it's a Greek custom. It goes on till today. Instead of rice, as the bride and groom are coming out, they now nowadays they don't actually spit, but years ago they actually did. They went <laughs> got a nice big loogie and shot it at her. Okay, but they spit. Explain so much about Greece. Well, honestly, it was to give them luck. And also ward off evil spirits. That is a Greek custom to spit on the bride. I was wondering to myself, what's like the first year anniversary? Punch her in the face? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) what the hell? Spit on the bride. Greek custom. No, I think uh, the first anniversary, you give them some lozenges. Uh, (laughs) Second year is Robitussin. No, Kleenex. Kleenex. When uh, soldiers came back from the war in New York City, they were given a ticker tape parade. The term originated in New York City after a spontaneous celebration held on October 28, 1886, during the dedication of the Statue of Liberty, and is still the most closely associated with New York City. The term ticker tape originally referred to the use of the paper output of ticker tape machines. In New York City, the ticker tape parade are reserved for special occasions, and that tradition started way back in 1886. Now, Let's go back to Mark. Yeah, he, he has more cool stuff. <laughs> so uh, I asked you uh, why they call, you know, the place where you eat the mess hall. Uh, because it's dirty. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't know where it came from. But, uh, but the word mess has a bunch of different meanings in uh, different services. I mean, it is uh, the mess is the place where you eat. It's the cafeteria 
for for most militaries. In uh, in British military tradition, the mess is also a social club. The officers mess, the sergeants mess, the junior ranks mess. And so in the mess, it's usually a standalone building or it's a dedicated space. And you've got a bar, you've got a, a kitchen and a dining room, a cafeteria, depending on how many people uh, sort of mess there. And, uh, and you've got uh, living accommodations. When I first uh, joined the Canadian Army, I served with uh, 3rd Battalion Princess Patricia Canadian Light Infantry, which was based on the West Mark, Coast. I, I have to really? say. I know. I, I it was, was waiting. not a really tough name. It's like, oh, we're the guys from the Princess, princess. <laughs> and we're wearing pink. <laughs> He's from the Princess Bride collection. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to dance you to death. Dance off. <laughs> what a, what, sorry, what a, Mark. Sorry, what a mess. Sorry. What a mess. Sorry, Mark. You were saying. I'm to do some history. Princess Patricia was the was the Princess Diana of her day. She was the daughter of the Governor General of Canada. And in the first, when when Canada uh, declared war in the First World War, they were looking around how fast can we send a unit overseas, and they uh, they had one guy put up his hand, uh, Andrew Galt. And the PPCLI, the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, was the last privately raised regiment in the British Commonwealth. He said, I want to go to war. This is a middle-aged guy with uh, one leg. And uh, he wanted to go to war. And so he was wealthy. He paid to raise this regiment. It was raised in about a week um, from Boer War veterans. They were equipped. They were looking for a patron the princess uh, diana put her name forward to do that and so within about a week they were on a ship and off to war and they fought most of the first world war with the british army because the canadian army frankly didn't exist yet and uh, and so they've got a long and storied history but back to the mess it's a place where you live if you're on a ship it's that part of the deck where uh, where people eat except for the officers. The officers don't eat in the mess. The officers eat in the wardroom, which is what the Navy calls an officer's mess. So it's a, it's a bunch of different things, and it can be a verb. You got to go mess. You no, know, I, I, I'm wondering, too, if it comes from the German term messer, which I believe is knife. Maybe it goes back to that Austro-Hungary or, or um, you know, back into the Middle Ages where they called it a messer. Yeah. It could very well be. I mean, English is the biggest language with the most words of any language on earth. Yeah. You just and the most German and the most Germanic yep. references to it. So could be. We have to look into this now. Yeah, we do. Uh, see Mark, yeah, see- Mark, we ask him a question and we got three other questions now to answer. I like the homework. <laughs> well, this is how this started. We're o- over 125 episodes probably now. We really wanted to record just one episode, Mark, two and a half years ago. And we just came up with just one question and then one question. <laughs> and then we ask, ask more questions. Before you know it, mm-hmm. we're doing this for two and a half plus years. So, so I got one. Yeah. I got one. It's Groundhog Day, an American custom. I think you, you told guys- me this one already, didn't you? No, February 2nd. We wait like idiots for a groundhog named Punchatoni yeah. Phil to come out of the groundhog. You know, he comes yeah. out of this little box that they put him in, I guess. And then the guy speaks to him. And in groundhog speak, the guy says, oh, he said this, whether he saw his shadow. If he sees his shadow, he got six more weeks of winter, as though that's scientifically. <laughs> it sounds like I, I, I honestly think that the guy who listens to it is um, Dr. Fauci. But anyway, since 1887, they've been doing it. So it's 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 really uh, 
it's a custom. It really doesn't mean anything, but they've mm. been doing it since 1887. You didn't catch the joke at the beginning because you said Groundhog Day, and I said, didn't you do this one already? You see what I did there? You missed it. Oh, ah. that's why you said Bill it. Murray reference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that movie, by the way. Yeah, it was a great movie. Here's one for me. Uh, Groundhog Day on February 2nd. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my teaser, actually. Hey, why do they... Do the one about Groundhog Day. <laughs> okay. February 2nd, every year, there's Groundhog Day. So Listen, we got a guest named Mark. Yes. He's on the show, Nick. I just want to inform you. Oh, right. Oh, hi, Mark. Um, Mark is a soldier in the Canadian Army for 14 years. As you're listening to totally useless information Mark, with Nick where and Mark, you, where were you? You went to different places around the I world? I can't see my shadow. How many, how many different continents were you on? Uh, phew, four. I've served in uh, across Canada. I've been in the U.S., uh, Africa, Middle East, Asia, Europe. So that's one, two, three, four, five, maybe. Wow. So Mark was in four different continents. In the United States, we have a president who's incontinent. <laughs> oh, as, as you can tell, Mark, uh, Roy is a big fan of the rhinoceros party. <laughs> uh, the, Don't we'll, call me a rhino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were horny in high school. Um, so, Mark, what what uh, prompted you to, to to get into the army? What was it? Uh, what was your uh, what, what attracted you to the army? Well, it was a long and tortured tale. I I was a Star Trek fan as a kid. And I thought, you know, I can't, they don't have starships. So the next best thing might be a submarine. And Canada had three submarines at the time. So I thought after university, I'll join the Navy and I'll be a submariner. That'll be just like going to space. And uh, then I went to university. And after a year, I realized I can't afford university. So I joined the Army Reserve because they were hiring and uh, for, a, you know, for some income. And I went away for four months uh, with full-time training and it came back and was bored to tears. I had been a science major, physics and astronomy. And when I came back, I was just bored in the classrooms because over the summer I had learned how much more interesting people were and, and leading people. And the toughest job in the military that I could possibly think of was the one that I had fallen into as a reservist, which was the infantry. And yet I was able to survive it. And, uh, and so, when I decided to drop out of university, I thought, well, what can I do? And I applied to transfer to the regular army and the Canadian forces, and they would have me. And I checked all the fine print on the contract to make sure that, you know, how long do I have to serve? It was a nine-year contract, but you could get out after three. And that was very important to me because I sounds figured like, that sounds like a murder sentence. I was yeah, going to exactly. say, it sounds like our justice Good behavior. system. Yeah. Behavior. <laughs> and uh, and uh, 14 years later, I decided, you know what? I've been all over the world. I've done all the fun stuff that I think I could do. The desks are calling me now and, and I just, it's time to move on to something new. That's cool. And, yeah. and seeing all those places is cool too. Being around. I mean, you get that world experience, you know, I got to see all the worst places at low season. Thank so what did you study in school? What did you study? Uh, physics and astronomy. That's that's so funny. I studied biology and physiology, which is the study of women. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know what? And it was a final exam every single day. Go figure. Thank you for listening for Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Mark Tui is our guest. He is a 14-year veteran. Would you be considered a veteran of the Canadian Army, Mark? I am now technically. 
Uh, I didn't go to war with the Canadian Army. I spent two and a half years in Afghanistan after I left the Canadian military because I wanted to see it myself. And I, I contracted with uh, the UN, the World Bank, and the European Union and did a bunch of weird stuff over there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Did you uh, run, you, what, kind, what kind of weird stuff? Yeah, well, define weird. <laughs> <laughs> this show what did you do? Dress up like an infidel and run around? I mean, what? <laughs> define weird. <laughs> uh, was, no, no, was, please don't. Tell it was me. an interesting place to to work. I got yeah. a chance to work with uh, Afghan border police. I was uh, developing a training program for them and uh, for a year and a half, and delivering that up in the northern province of Badakhshan, where there really hadn't been much fighting uh, because it was the land that time forgot. The only thing that was missing is dinosaurs. I mean, it, it's just so remote. They have no infrastructure whatsoever. And uh, and then I transferred to uh, International Finance Corporation, part of the World Bank, to run a seems odd, but to run a small business training program in Afghanistan and Pakistan. So uh, yeah, it's like it's like this rock, this rock costs ten dollars. <laughs> that rock over there, twenty two dollars. But, but it, it, the trick is to buy the rock for ten dollars and sell it for twenty two dollars. That's that's <laughs> what a, you have to teach people. There you go. The Afghans are born merchants. Yeah, who, uh, travel through Afghanistan. I mean, it was the. It, the whole country is, exists as a trading route. And so the Afghans know business. They know it really well. What they didn't they know, know was the, you know, how to interface with Western business. And so that how to sell lithium. <laughs> the lithium trade is like the number one trade in Afghanistan. All right. So of all the places that you visited, which uh, destination had the best food considering the conditions and everything? Ah, hmm. a little well, Italian restaurant in New York. No, no, no. <laughs> I spent a year uh, with NATO in Germany, and and I got to say, I love German food. It's oh simple. man, thank you, Mark. Yeah. Okay, all this, this show, that's all the time we have. Thanks a lot, Mark. Schnitzel, uh, <laughs> red cabbage, come on, yes, not Cabbage was oh. a weakness. That's that's the flaw in the German. Oh, red cabbage. But, uh, yeah. Uh, should I leave the room now, guys? Uh, so, so that you know, uh, Mark, and for the, those in the audience who don't know, Roy's background is German. Uh, his grandmother uh, was born in Germany, and uh, he has a, a huge uh, German background. So, yeah, half German, half Italian. Yeah, I'm like, I grew up with the German food, Mark, and it's just, it's phenomenal. Story. It's better than French food. French are always trying to hide the fact that their meat is poor quality with some right. weird sauce. They put a it's sauce on every big slab of meat. Big slab of starch, whether it's spatula or fritz, and uh, and you can't come on. Well, coming up in a few months. Speaking of uh, German food and everything, we're gonna have back. We had a a guest on a few weeks ago, Mark, where someone stole his lederhosen. Oh yeah, ah, but there's some totally useless information for you. When is Oktoberfest? Well, okay. See, is this like the eight twelve? Yeah, we see. Is that, is this like the 1812 question? Like, what year uh, was the one word? of those military tricks? <laughs> I was already for Oktoberfest, but I was a month too late because they celebrated in September. That's a military it's interrogation. It, it it ends at the beginning of October. Oh, that's true. Yes. So yes. okay, so then why do they call it Oktoberfest if it's September? It's September. No, it's it's the coming of October. It's the coming the right. It's right. You're a hundred percent right. Yeah. It is the fact that winter in October is coming. Right. The yeah. better holiday in Germany though is fashing, which happens in the spring. It's kind of the German version of of uh what is the the, the Mardi Gras, the Tuesday. Uh yeah, like Fat Tuesday. Yeah, because yeah. in fashing 
married couples dress up on the the one night. It lasts a whole week or a weekend. There's big parades. But uh, there's one night when the married couples dress up, they put on a mask, they kiss goodnight at the door, and they both go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Party independently until they know how to live. They come back, no questions asked. That's like a whole pass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I've done a flashing, which I do when I put on a trench coat, <laughs> and I yeah. walk in the streets and say yeah. to ladies, that, that, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> as long well, as you've got the mask on, it's legit. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it depends where you wear the mask. Exactly. Uh, so here's what what I teased at the top of the show. Uh, white smoke after a new pope was elected. The white smoke first appeared in 1914, the year Rory was born, with the election of Pope Benedict <laughs> the 15th. The cardinals in 1914 decided that black smoke would signal an inconclusive conclave vote and white smoke would announce the good news of the election of a new pope. So the black smoke is inconclusive and the white smoke is inclusive. Is inclusive? No, it would be they have... Conclusive. Conclusive, right. Conclusive. Yeah. Thank white you. smoke also means the evidence is gone. Either way, I think <laughs> I think that it's totally racist. And I say from this point forward, gray smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Speaking of blowing smoke, you're listening to Totally Use Information with Nick and Roy. Our special guest is Mark Tui. Um, do you have anything else in, in your you know, realm of, of your font of knowledge with uh, customs and traditions in terms of the Army or the Navy? Well, let's stay with the mess because we had so much fun. One of the, the most uh, custom and tradition laden uh, events that happens in an mess, especially in an officer's mess, is what's called a mess dinner. It's a fancy dress dinner. Uh, you wear your special mess dress. And, and <laughs> He's getting me scared there for a while. Yeah. He's like, you wear a fancy dress, you know, like, yeah. you know, like a little silk dress, yeah. a little black silk dress, and some nylons. <laughs> uh, most armies have a uniform just for mess dinners. It's, yeah. it's only yeah. for eating it. Yeah, and Mark, Mark put the... Scarlet Mark Jacket. put the the princess and the princess bride or whatever in <laughs> So they get all dressed up. Sorry, and what do they mom. do? They eat a fine meal. The the commanding officer sits at the at the pride of place at the head. The junior officer sit at the end of these long tables. And at the end of every mass dinner, uh, the last thing they do, they clear off all the food, and then they bring out a single uh, a single port glass. And the stewards, who are the the waiters, usually junior soldiers, come to the end of the table, come to the commanding officer's side, and they have a large decanter of port. Mm. And it's usually cheap port because it's the army. And uh, and they pass it to the uh, the commanding officer. And once he's poured his drink, he passes it to the next person. And it happens. There's usually three or four legs of the table, and there's three or four decanters of port, wow. and they get passed around. But there's very strict traditions that vary from unit to unit on how the port gets passed in all units it is always passed from the right to the left you never pass the port back to the right it has to go all the way around the table and then come back to the left if somebody gets missed out and depending on your regiment it is passed in a distinctive way in my regiment you had to pass it to the left and between the other person couldn't pick it up you had to thump it down on the table and let go and they would pick it up pour their drink pass it to the left and thump it down in some units, my first regiment that I was commissioned in, the Canadian Scottish Regiment, 
uh, their tradition was it never touched the table. So you had to pass the port to the left. They had to grab it from your hand. At no time was it allowed to touch the table. And to make sure you didn't break that rule, it was a rounded bottom. So if you put it down, it would tip over and spill. Mm. In the Navy, they uh, slide the port decanter from left to uh, from right to left. It never leaves the table because on a ship, it's kind of bouncing. They've got gimbal tables. And so you have to pour it off the edge of the table and hold your glass down below. So you guys, so here's the Canadian custom. You, you pass this glass around and you drink the port. And three, four days later, you all have COVID. <laughs> it was a super spreader, yes. Port is for toasting, and at the end of the dinner, you have toasts. And the first toast, you stand up and you toast to the queen. And if you are a senior officer, meaning if you're the rank of major or higher, after you toast to the queen, you say, may God bless her. But nobody below the rank of mes- uh, major can say that. So you toast the queen, then there's usually a toast to the regiment. But until the queen is toasted at a Canadian or a British mess dinner, no one can smoke, and no, which you can't smoke at all now anymore. But back in the day when I started, you could smoke cigars after dinner, but only after the queen had been toasted. And no one can get up from the table to go to the bathroom. Hmm. So you have to control yourself through the dinner, at which there might be four or five different wines served with different courses. Can you, you fart? I mean, can you fart? If you if you laugh at the same time to camouflage <laughs> the sound. It's funny because you have the senior officer toasting to the queen. Here we have the officers toasting to the senior citizen in our country. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and one last tradition from a, an officer's mess, if you ever find yourself in an officer's mess in the Canadian military or the British military. I'm not sure about the U.S. uh, officers' clubs because they're a little bit different. But in every bar, whether it's a wardroom on a ship or an officer's mess in the Army, there is a bell Hmm. attached to the wall. Do not ever ring the bell. If you take nothing away from our conversation today, don't ring the bell because if you ring the bell – everyone within earshot and sometimes far beyond that will converge on the bar because you've just bought drinks for the house. So if you ring the bell, it's kind of like walking past the register with a hat on in a bar. Yeah. You've just, you've just bought a round for everybody who can hear the bell. And a lot of people have very good hearing when the bell rings. So I had a problem once I had a mess once. Um, when the woman's husband came home early from work, <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. The hell of a mess, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that was the problem. He did ring the bell many times, <laughs> twice even. Mark Tui, we cannot thank you enough for joining us here. As we, Mark, uh, do you have a brother named uh, Mark Wunny? Uh, yeah, but <laughs> Mark Tui was a midnight upgrade. <laughs> I'm great. Mark, we cannot thank you enough. Um, uh, by the way, uh, guests, accommodations for guests of totally useless information with Nick and Roy are, co- are provided by the guests. The guests. Yeah, because <laughs> we don't have a budget. But we do want to sincerely thank you for joining us and uh, enlightening us with some of the of your background with, uh, with the military. And first of all, I really should have said this off the top, but we do thank you for your service because it's right. not something and that anybody do. can do. Honestly, yes, we thank all all first responders, police, and military, because you guys do a hell of a job. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks, Roy. Thanks, Mark. See you. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Step right up here. Step right up, folks. Don't be shy. Move it. Totally Useless Information.
Nation with Nick and Roy present Games People Play. Remember the game Pin the Tail on the Donkey? Um, yeah. Yeah. Played it when I was a little kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then when I got to high school, we had the Pin the Tail on the Ass. <laughs> a little different. Just slightly different. Okay. This is exactly what I wrote. It's not Pin the Tail on the Ass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We do not discuss the facts that we are going to present, but I, I we write each other's jokes. It's hilarious. <laughs> Pin the tail on the ass. Anyway, in 1887, a craze swept the United States called Donkey Party, oh. which later became Pin the tail on the donkey. Not dunk- to be mistaken with a donkey punch, but okay. no, that's something totally different. <laughs> the original game of Pin the tail on the donkey was Ooh. created in Milwaukee. It is thought that the game originated from Central American farm life. Country children would often think of new and fun games to entertain themselves with because there's not much to do on a farm. Okay. Okay. Now there's like the f- another game from Milwaukee called Mate the Goat. <laughs> nah. Yeah, and that's where the farmer's daughter came into play. Oh my God! Yeah. Assault the pig. Yeah, <laughs> not Go assault the pig. The on the donkey. Uh, because the game is centered around a donkey, it is thought that the game must have begun on a farm. Because of its appeal, not just children, the game spread from Milwaukee to New York and Washington D.C. later that year in 1887. This must have been one sadistic. When you think about it, yeah. this is one sadistic game. If you did, with the blindfold, finally find the donkey's back quarters yes. and stick a pin in it, the donkey would then kick the little child over the fence. <laughs> this was great. Yeah, and that's where pole vaulting started in the Olympics. That's what I call entertainment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they were bored on the farm. Why not? You know. No wonder you had so many kids walking around Milwaukee going, they used to be smart. <laughs> that's so right. I played that game. <laughs> it takes them 90 minutes to watch 60 minutes. Trying to learn you something. Okay, for years, it was believed that the game Connect Four was invented by none other than rock star David Bowie. Really? Yes. In fact, you can look up online. It says David Bowie invented Connect Four. It's not true. He didn't. But it was spread by a DJ named Stuart McConey in England. He spread this rumor around a lot. And finally, it caught on to other DJs and so on, and they spread it. And it was a false rumor from the beginning, but it stuck. For years, people thought he was the inventor of Connect Four. Amazing. And uh, did he also uh, use it as foreplay? (laughs) He was David Bowie. He didn't have to do that. No, not at all. Uh, the game of musical chairs, the exact origins and creative of musical chairs is actually. You know what? Un- I have musical chairs. Nick. You do? When I eat beans and I sit down. <laughs> <laughs> They're quite musical, is what you mean. So the exact origins and the creative of musical chairs is really unknown, but the game was previously called Trip to Jerusalem. <laughs> it is what? Trip to it is most commonly known to come from the German version of the game Reich nach Jerusalem. Reich nach Jerusalem. Yeah. So that's wow. where they believe 
the trip to Jerusalem started, though the, the term trip to, to Jerusalem, yeah, and that's how it all started. So, yep, musical chairs, unless, of course, like Roy said, you have some beans and some broccoli. They're yeah. just as musical as anything else. Leave it to the Germans to come up with something like that. Yes. How ironic is this? Yeah. The original Game of Life. You've seen the Game of Life? Have you The ever Game played of it? Life, yes. Okay. The original Game of Life had a space for suicide. Really? Yes. And marriage, the same space. Well, yeah. No, no, no. no, no <laughs> you choose. No, not true. But it did have a space for suicide, the original game. Of course, it had um, poverty, um, disgrace, and prison, and it had suicide. What a depressing game. Yeah. <laughs> game of life. Yeah. How is that? That's amazing. Oh, so right? how do you win at that game? They should have never called it. They should have just called it the disgrace, poverty, prison, suicide. They should have just called it the game of marriage. <laughs> yes. You win if you survive the game. Now, I don't know if you ever played this game. Ringo Levio as a kid. Yes. Ringo Levio is a children's game which originated in the streets of New York City, which is where Roy was born and raised. I was just basically raised there. I was born here in Toronto, which is where I am today. And Roy's in Florida. But uh, we grew up. Did you ever up... play Ringo Levio when you were a kid? I did. I did. Me too. Me I too. did. I used to call it raviolio or something because I think I was hungry. But I did Ringo Levio, and then you bust into the prison to get your people out? Speaking of prison, yeah. So it's one of the variations of tag. It requires close teamwork and near military strategy. So here's our salute, as it were, to Mark Dewey. It's a near military strategy. In yeah. Canada, it was known as Relivio. I guess maybe because you had to go to the bathroom. I'm not sure. I was just going to say because they took a laxative. Yes. <laughs> It was also used, uh, that name was also Nobody used. wanted to break into the prison. No, not at all. <laughs> Do not go in Woo. there. Woo. <laughs> Simple rules. Two sides in each of the same number of players. There were no time limits, no intermissions, no substitutes, which I guess that's why you couldn't relieve yourself. Right. Yeah, and no exactly. weapons were allowed, but there were two jails. And no corks. And no corks, yes. <laughs> it is believed that the game was brought over from the British Isles due to its similarities to a game called Bedlam's of Relivio. Oh, so they called it Bedlam's of Relivio. Right, and we call the Ring Olivio in New York. And Ring Olivio. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. See how things how things progress yes. and change. Speaking of change, oh how things have changed, Nick, in this world. Just another sign of going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> yes. Which we'll have on the next episode. Yes, of expressions. <laughs> the game of life that we just spoke about. Yeah has replaced the tile awarding a player with $100,000 for winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Yes. Now, now isn't that nice? You won $100,000 for doing this amazing thing. You win the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. This is just so great. Well, now it's been replaced. You still receive the $100,000, but it's for being on a reality TV show. Okay. They replaced the Nobel Peace Prize with a damn reality TV show. <laughs> you still get the same hundred grand. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Or or a hundred thousand dollar candy bar. Just a sign of the times, folks. I'm selling some a land on this abandoned island in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> We're all gonna do very well and watch the rest of the world burn. <laughs> and peace to you too. Uh Simon <laughs> says, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Simon says, 
was the name of the game. It's a children's game for three or more players. One player takes the role of Simon and issues instructions, usually physical actions. Uh, Simon says, jump in my bed. No, uh, Simon <laughs> says, jump in the air. Simon says, stick out your tongue to the other players, which should be followed only when prefaced by, the, by Simon says. Players are eliminated from the game by either following instructions that are not immediately preceded by the phrase or by failing to allow an instruction, which also includes the phrase, Simon says. Where did it come from? It was a Latin phrase, which is Cicero deceit fac hoc, which <laughs> is translation. Cicero fac hard? No, fac hoc. Fac hoc. Yes. The translation is Cicero said do this. So he had named it after himself. That's Mr. right. <laughs> no, no. Back in the times of Rome, when when it was uh, Marcus Tilius Cicero said to do something, you had to do it. Well, I'll tell you how you win the game. You just says, Simon says, stab yourself. And then you win. You're the only one left. Exactly. <laughs> As a publicity stunt. Yeah. Speaking of publicity. Did, did the folks uh, know that we do the birthday messages, Nick? Well, all they have to do is go to nickandroy.com, look at the top where it says birthdays, and you click on it, and for a reasonable price... The greatest, guys. You get, Unreal. You get to hear a birthday message for your loved ones. What you do is you, you fill out the form, and you tell us all about the, the guest of honor, and we put together a very special birthday message for the birthday person. We put together a mini show for you guys, and you give it to the person that you love. They get it on their birthday. They flip out because it's really fun and cool. You have to listen to the sample. Go to nickandroy.com. Hit on birthdays. It's right at the top on the bar. Nickandroy.com. Hit birthdays. Telling you best gift you'll ever buy anybody. So let me get back to what I was saying. As a publicity stunt, Parker Brothers sent a group of marathon Monopoly players. These people were playing for 70 days. Whoa. Yes. They sent them. This they ran out of money in the bank. Yeah. So they had no more money left, but they wanted to continue to play. So they had called Parker Brothers. Parker Brothers, as a publicity stunt, sent them additional cash, but they didn't just send it to them. They sent it by a plane. It was then taken off the plane and placed into an armored car and then delivered to the players. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wow. What a great publicity stunt, the armored car bringing the Monopoly money. Now, since Biden's been president, we don't have to worry about that because it's all Monopoly money. <laughs> You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Bone chilling. Blood curdling. Oh, the horror of horrors. Listen, if you dare. Mm, I'd worry about her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she... Okay, in the movie The Exorcist. Yes. There was a scene when Linda Blair vomits on the priest. Yes. Scary. Yeah. I hate that movie. Yeah. My wife yeah. is scared just to say hear the word. <laughs> Linda Blair? I'm serious. She gets nervous when she hears the word exorcist. Okay. She doesn't want to hear it. She yeah, actually yeah. walks out of the room. Yeah. The vomit was supposed to hit the priest in the chest. And so they, they got ready, they start filming, but there was a pressure malfunction in the thing that shot the pea soup out of the tube, mm -hmm. and it ends up hitting the actor in the face. It hits the priest directly in the face instead of on his chest. So as he's wiping this pea soup off his face, 
The look of disgust is real. He is not acting. He's pissed because he just got hit in the face with this chunky pea soup and he's getting it out of his eyes. So that scene is legitimately real. He's upset. This is how real it is. This was one of my facts as well. We've done it again. No, really? <laughs> yeah, this is one of my facts. It's okay. It's fine because as we remind the audience, this show, we do not rehearse this show. And can't you tell? <laughs> so we, we just... Uh, come up with the topics which today was uh, customs and games and horror so that's okay that's fine but could you imagine though that you know and they decided to leave that in there they could have what they could have done is they've could have reshot the scene no yeah but it was so great because this man's look of shock like like when we just did right now that's I have right. the same fact as Nick, and we didn't know it. That's right. It's shocking. If you could see Nick's face, I'd like to throw some pea soup in it. And there's pea soup all <laughs> over it. Now, in that intro, the lovely lady said, blood curdling. It's not just an expression. Research has shown that watching horror movies can increase a certain clotting protein in your bloodstream. Therefore, blood curdling can actually happen just by watching it. Fibrinogen. Fibrinogen is the one, is the one thing, it's the protein that causes the blood curdling. So be careful when you're watching scary movies. If you if you have, uh, what uh, what are the people that bleed to death? Um, hemophiliacs. Right, good one, Nick. Hemophiliacs don't have any of that, that curdling fibrinogen in their blood. Crazy. So they, they can watch all the horror films they want. <laughs> they could exactly <laughs> so you see how Roy snuck in the science in there yeah a yeah. little science yeah a little, a little science. science but now anybody that knows me knows that I actually uh, made a movie uh, in in uh, 2009 I made a full-length movie called the knowers yes and um, and you can see the trailer on YouTube the knowers the movie and um, but the the movie saw was filmed in 18 days the entire movie was filmed. Now I've seen that film. It's a pretty good film. Yeah, you know? I, I saw Saw too, and it's yeah, I saw Saw and and saw it saw it many times. Did you see the first Saw one, or did you? I see, saw Saw. You I saw, saw Saw. Did I see Saw two sure. or one? No, I see Saw all the time. Really? <laughs> no, no, Which is no, but yeah. the movie Saw was made in eighteen days. It is a good film. It's scary as hell too. It's really great concept. Good film, but. I think about it. I made a film and I made it in 38 days and that was record time speed. Okay. Granted they had no outdoor scenes and saw because of the budget right. and the speed that they needed to film it. So it was all filmed in, in these little studio setups. So it was much easier to film. I mean, I was at my film. I was at cemeteries, offices, homes on the road. I mean, it was, it was a lot more to it, but 18 days, full length film, awesome film too. So it's good. Give the audience a little bit of a synopsis of what your film, the knowers is about. Uh, very simply, it's about tablets that they find on the earth that are millions of years old and can't be possible because they predate man. And the whole panspermia thing where the uh, the planet was uh, purposely inhabited by, by beings from another place and we're the offspring of that. And it's the whole thing. There's intrigue and a love story and killing. And it's just, it's fun. The it's game of film. life. Good. The knowers. <laughs> K-N-O-W-E-R-S. When he's talking about tablets, he's not talking about Go a on YouTube and look up knowers, the knowers.com. K-N-O-W-E-R-S. And you'll see the, um, 
the trailer. The trailer. Yeah, when he said tablets, he didn't mean like an iPad or anything. Like that. He means like, you know, tablets oh, no. from years ago. Hey, there were real bodies in this movie. They may not, this may not be new information to many horror movie buffs, those of you out there. So the classic 1982 movie Poltergeist was only horrifying due to its story and visuals, but also thanks to its use of real corpses in one iconic scene. The really? reasoning behind the real bodies was less to do with the scares and more to do with the budget. It was cheaper and easier to use real cadavers than to have to create them in the movie Poltergeist. That's pretty cool. See see how these movies that they have no budget, so they have to do all these things. There's no outdoor scenes in the movie Saw. It's crazy. Wow. Yes. Okay, ready? Groundhog Day. No, I'm joking. Well, <laughs> I've heard that before. In the movie Friday the 13th, in the background, you hear cha-cha-cha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's some people think that, but they have to watch the movie again. They're not saying cha-cha, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. They're not saying that. They're actually saying kill Oh. They're saying kill ma. Kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. It's a it's a subliminal background effect throughout the film and the series. Every single one of the Friday the 13th that is going on continually in the background. It's as annoying as hell now that I said it, you can't unhear it. So it's going to make the movie very annoying. When Nick goes home from work at night, he hears kill, 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 Nick, Nick, Nick. And that noise is coming from the kitchen. Right. It's his wife. <laughs> Blood curdling, I'll tell you. <laughs> I thought maybe when you said, you know, cha, 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 I thought maybe there was some kind of dancing lessons going on in the background while they were filming yeah. the movie. Yeah, it was Karma Miranda. Cha, cha, cha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, For he would. you under the age of 50. <laughs> yes, you'll under, you can look that up on the Google machine. Hey, he was too good. Due to his experience as a volunteer firefighter, this actor took down the prop door with an axe in the movie The Shining. Well, here's the problem. Because he was so good at it, he took down the prop door too quickly. They had to switch it with a real door for that scene because he just kept wrecking the prop door. Jack Nicholson is the actor. He was. Yeah. Jack well, Nicholson was a firefighter. If he you ever, if you didn't take, if, if you took anything away from that fact, is never mind that he, they had to replace it with a real door. Jack Nicholson was once a volunteer firefighter. See, listen, laugh, and learn on this show. They said, do you want to get a real door? And they were like, no, let's ax him. <laughs> let's ax him. Let's ax him a question. <laughs> yes. Okay, here's my teaser. Safe blood or not safe blood? Oh, yes. Okay, I was waiting for that all show. In films, safe blood is made from, and I used it in my film, it's made from a um, non-toxic Tightly buy it. It's in a tube, and it's non-toxic, and it shows up really vivid red on the on the camera. And it's pretty thick, so it stays on if you make it come down the side of your lip or something like that. Yeah. But it's a non-toxic material that you can get in your eyes and your mouth. But then there's non-safe blood that splatters all over the place. Blood bags are filled with it when they explode, and so on and so forth. Like if you're gonna have a scene where you get shot in Friday the Thirteenth, though. They screwed up and they used non-safe blood where they were supposed to use safe blood in the scene where this guy in the movie, Bill, is getting killed. He's killed with not safe blood. 
It was used by mistake, and it nearly blinded him. Oh. They had to get an ambulance there to wash out his eyes because he was literally burning so bad, and his eyes were irritated for days and days and days. Nearly blinded him. Listen, laugh, and learn as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We invite you to visit our website. Many things you can do on our website. You can go back for many, many episodes, over a hundred and uh, over a hundred episodes now, maybe 125. I lost count after a hundred. Yeah. It takes me that long. Really. The birthday thing is the best. You though, go on the right? birthday. Actually, I have to share this with you. Um, we had one of our listeners uh, order one of those birthday messages for her very dear friend, which we recorded one, and they played it in front of a, a small gathering, and she said, thank you so much for the birthday message. It was a giant hit. Thank you for the opportunity to give such a unique and personalized gift. We couldn't have said it any better ourselves. Go to nickandroy.com. Click yeah, on and go birthdays. there now because we do make them special for That's every right. single person. This That's is right. not a generic thing. Custom this made. is Nick and I literally doing research on the day that that person was born and doing a, a small show for them. And how cool is that? So go to nickandroy.com. Click on birthdays. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do it yet? <laughs> or for the rest of you, you can click on contact us and send us an email. What's in the mailbag? What's in the Charlie from the Bronx, New York, our old stopping grounds. Charlie says, Dear Nick and Roy, we love listening to your show with our poker buddies. After a night of poker, we ask our smart speaker to play the latest episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. So my Google machine says it plays you guys. So, yes, you mm -hmm. go to your favorite smart speaker and you say, play the latest episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And just like that, your smart speaker will give you useless information with Nick and Roy. How's that? So, actually, we have taken the smart speaker and made it dumber. Useless. That's right. So imagine you go to your smart speaker and you ask it to play totally useless information with Nick and Roy. So your yeah. smart speaker has become useless. We're going to make one called a dumb speaker. It's just going to be a speaker. It's not even going to have a housing or anything. It's just going to be laying there. No, no, no. The dumb speaker is when we come through it. <laughs> dumb speaker is when you open your mouth. No, no, no. So thank you. Thank you, Charlie, from the Bronx, New York, for that uh, reminder. Yes, you can listen to us on so, your smart speaker. Just to show you how much me and Nick think of things almost on the same wavelength, which is really frightening. Sick. Yes, it is frightening. We just did horror, yes. I know. But we think of things like, so Nick took Bronx, New York, and I saw Chandra from Brooklyn, New oh, York. Oh, it's a New York kind of town. Hey, it's yo. It's a New York state of mind. But anyway, whoa. Now, that wasn't Roy rubbing his microphone on his belly. That was the beans. <laughs> no, no, no. That was Mother Nature. That was Mother Nature really uh, you know, giving you a what for. Wow, we are getting some storms down here in Florida, and uh, so if I get cut off, folks, you know that I'll come back with a perm. You're listening to Total Useless Information. <laughs> no, with I have Chandra. No, I have wait, Chandra. Well, hold on. I was going to say that if yeah. that happens, this is what they'll hear. You're listening to Total Useless Information with Nick. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Roy? So Chandra, sorry, Chandra. And barbecue and barbecued Roy. Chandra from Brooklyn, New York, says... I force my 12-year-old son to listen to your show. Now, wow. Is this child the, abuse? Should we be calling child services? Did you get her email address? We need to send the authorities to her home. She's forcing her... I don't wow. know. Should I be scared? 
You better. No, I swear I'm going to church Sunday. <laughs> Heck, you okay, should go so, now. Yeah. So Chandra forces her 12 year old son to listen to our show. She says at least to learn something instead of the garbage he watches and listens to. Thank you. That's all she writes. <laughs> and then she writes, by the way, his name is Kobe. So here we go. Kobe, your mom's a good person. She's trying to teach you things and stop listening to the garbage music and the stupid shows that you're watching on television and spend all of your time at nickandroy.com listening to the 125 shows that we have. It will make you smarter and you'll thank your mom in about 20 years from now. <laughs> or less. Or less. If you play your cards right. So, yes, we invite everybody. And for those of you who just came back from visiting our birthday page, welcome back to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. Cardinal numbers versus ordinal numbers. Ordinal numbers indicate position or order in relation to other numbers. For example, he finished in third place. Cardinal numbers, on the other hand, express a quantity of something. He ate three hot dogs. Here are some mm -hmm. guidelines. When a number ends with one, the suffix is ST, first, right? When a number ends in two, it's ND, second. The number ends in three, it's RD, third. When a number ends with four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, the suffix is TH. An exception to the rule is when the numeral ends with 11, 12, or 13, where the TH comes in. But these are the differences between cardinal numbers and ordinal numbers. I, I disagree with you. There is another uh, exception to that rule. It is the Nathan's annual hot dog eating contest where they say the man ate 30 hot dogs in 15 seconds and came in first place. <laughs> brilliant absolutely brilliant See, i put it all together nick for the, right. for the listeners here That's this right. is what i do yes <laughs> all the time yeah, know, exactly this is why my wife has left <laughs> yeah he, what's the expression you always the party say? begins at eight <laughs> he's not conceited he's convinced yeah. fidel castro I was I was looking up games and I literally used this one as my fact because I thought it was both political, historical, and had something to do with games, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Fidel Castro banned the game Monopoly what? from being played in Cuba. He literally destroyed any of the games and banned it because he didn't want people to understand the idea of land ownership oh. and having money. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what a nice guy. Right? Yeah, but, but he liked he liked flowers. <laughs> yeah, and how did he pay for the flowers, huh? Huh? He was to his dogs. You know, I mean, what do you say about this guy? <laughs> wow. So if you lived in Cuba, not only the, the could you not buy newer cars than nineteen fifty seven Chevy. Yeah. Hopefully that bastard is in hell playing uh playing Mahjong with Hitler and Mao Zedong. <laughs> hey, today on the show, we talked about customs with Mark Tui. Thanks again, Mark, for coming on. We did some horror. We played some games. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. Surprises in the mail are always fun, except when it's a vial of what appears to have been human blood. What? 
Jen Bekakis claimed that she ordered a Bekakis? B-E-G-A-K-I-S. Bekakis. Bekakis, yes. She claimed, maybe she was Latin, I don't know. She claimed that she ordered a leather chair from Amazon, but then found an unsettling addition to the package when she took it out of the box. If I told you that the leather chair I ordered from Amazon was packaged with a blood collection tube that's full, would you believe me? So she had to tell people, I got this vial of blood. With the chair? With the chair. The vial of blood was with the chair. She was lost for words. I was terrified and confused, she said. She's a PhD candidate, so she knows her stuff. She right. added a 24-second video of the box and the vial of blood when she tweeted this out. I'm so profoundly unprepared for this type of chaos. That's true. I mean, you don't want to go sitting on a vial of blood when you sit down on your chair. Especially no. her. I mean, you'd have to... When she sits down, it's like resting big caucus. It is. <laughs> she later updated her followers on the blood saga, alleging that she initially heard from Amazon, but reportedly hasn't heard from them again. Well, so if she calls Amazon, they're just going to charge her for the blood and the shipping, <laughs> unless she's prime, and then she gets it free. <laughs> Next day, even, right? The shipping and handling, right? What do you ship and what do you handle? The post, the publication has reached out to Amazon and Bikakis for comment. Yeah. Since initially tweeting... You always want to reach out to Big Cock. That's right, exactly, and make sure you get your hands full. Uh, <laughs> since initially tweeting the video, the tweet has been retweeted 3,500 times and had over 48,000 likes. Could you imagine the sick people? What did they do with the blood? You'd think they'd want to retrieve the blood, correct, to figure it out? She filmed the cardboard box on the floor, showing bubble wrap chair and pieces on the floor, before displaying the vial. single vial in the box, which appears to be indeed a full vial of blood. Amazon emailed her last night, she says, when she wrote this, and it was expedited to top priority. But <laughs> she hasn't heard anything since. The mm -hmm. vial is in the same spot from last night. She didn't want to touch it. I wouldn't want to touch it. Would you? I don't know what it would be. When I got the chair, I think maybe it was some dye for the leather chair or something. Well, a spokesperson for Amazon told the Post, the selling partner confirmed that they have been sending color dye as a ah, compliment. See, <laughs> see, I'm smarter than the average bear, Nick. That's you right. can't pull one over on me. The old blood vial trick doesn't work on me. It might work <laughs> on Big Caucus. But <laughs> so apparently, the selling partner confirmed they have been sending color dye as a complimentary product to there help colors, go. to help customers. Am I good or what? Am keep I good? Their chairs looking like new. That's I don't why. I want to pin any medals on myself. Or on the I donkey mean, or on your ass, yes. Yeah, or on my ass, but. You know, I mean, now, this woman is, you said, a candidate for a Ph.D., which means she doesn't have a Ph.D. That's right. Being a candidate, Nick, is like being half pregnant. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're not sure what the Ph.D. is for. Was she imagine? in Florida? Was she in Florida? She was in Florida, yes. Oh, no. A Florida no. woman. She was. They, no it, wonder she couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but they did not reveal where in Florida, but they said somewhere in Florida. That's why in my, in my, the headline for this is a Florida woman nearly died, yeah. D-Y-E-D, -E when she opened up her uh, yeah. Amazon You know, package. it's very common uh, to find big caucus here in Florida. <laughs> hey, that's all the time we have for this episode. You usually find them at nude beaches. Totally useless information <laughs> with Nick and Roy. We want to thank you very much. We will scour the internet and other Turn sources. <laughs> 
We will scour the internet and other sources to find more totally useless information for you next time. Until then, reach out to us at nickandroy.com, especially go on the birthdays. Trust us, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And if you want to send us messages, we'll we'll forward them to Big Caucus. <laughs> and <laughs> until then, tell everyone you know to listen to the show. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.